to Progressive News Network Sunday show here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the producer and host. Uh, give a shout out to our producer, Emeritus, and our founder, Rick Stizak. Uh, wishing him a wonderful Thanksgiving. Rick is always one to give wisdom for the ages. Alrighty, and and Rick's the one that brought me into this broadcast journey. I never never occurred to me. So let's go on with the show here. Uh, I don't know if you saw our advert or not. Again, Facebook is just turning into, excuse my language, a total shit show when it comes to progressive news. All right, and we knew that was going to happen because back in like 2017 when they changed their algorithm. Uh, I think it was in Mother Jones they wrote a big article, and I think it's one of the articles I'm going to mention. But, um, you know, they changed the algorithm knowing full well that respectable, and, and, and not only respected, but really substantive news from really progressive outlets, though, that are small, was going to get the shaft. And that was probably Dr. Berg's intent, you know. A lot of people out there, you don't realize, you go to Facebook and you think, wow, this is free. How cool is this? I can watch all the puppy videos of Gus and Martin and Luna the Pity, and I like them too. But it comes with a cost. These platforms, these social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, what used to be Twitter is now X, um, TikTok, all of them, they exist, and the way they make money is through advertisers and through marketing to find out what you might be interested in. It's a way of getting free marketing, frankly. And so, you know, once again, you need to use wisely. All righty, so this week, again, we are, this is an ongoing series about Project 2025, which finally has been bigger in the legacy mainstream media. Finally! CNN discovered Project 2025 and several others. I'm stunned. Uh, Project 2025, as we talked about last week and a little bit the week before, is this, they call it a mandate of leadership, for leadership, but that's not what it is. Under the auspices of the Heritage Foundation, uh, Heritage Foundation got this big grant and what's like some 22, 23 million, and they came up with this like thousand page document. And there are multiple, I won't even call them conservative, multiple far-right, alt-right, call them what they are, white supremacist, neo-Nazi groups that, you know, participated in this blueprint for what really would be to establish a presidential dictatorship. Make no mistake about it. So we're going to have this ongoing series. I'm going to be talking about it segment by segment. And I want to remind the audience also that even though our show airs at a specific time on Sundays, once the show is done that day, it's archived, so you can access it at any time and on multiple platforms. So this week, I'm going to present another segment on this GOP, this Republican blueprint to essentially end democracy, which is otherwise known as Project 2025. It's sponsored by the Heritage Foundation. Now, our big story features a Republican attorney operative named Mike Davis. Now, Mr. Davis has been on the airwaves recently threatening to jail and denaturalize and deport anyone uh, who dares criticize His Majesty Donald Trump, you know, the GOP Fuhrer, uh, especially during his second Trump administration. So apparently Davis is, like, auditioning for the role of a more radical uh, United States Attorney General. And he's being pushed as the lead candidate for that. Now, 
Among Davis's more asinine statements is a threat to throw noted journalist Mehdi Hassan into a gulag, after which he would be denaturalized and deported. Now, what is Mehdi Hassan's alleged crime? Actual journalism. He reported on Mike Davis's many bigoted rants and the plans regarding Project 2025. Now, was Mehdi Hassan the first one to report about Project 2025? No, of course not. But once again, he, you know, he has a bigger audience. And, you know, Mehdi Hassan is a naturalized American citizen. Nobody should be allowed to denaturalize him. That's nonsense. Um, so that's our first story. And, and again, we're going to be go, delving into Project 2025 a lot. Consider this, I consider these teachable moments. So we're going to kind of go, you know, and look at several aspects of it. Now, our second story, and if you saw the advert, I had to change this a little bit. Our second story is about Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey and his similar, in my opinion, his similar audition to Trump as Bailey responds to an online request from Elon Musk. Now, Musk is suing a, a, an on, a, excuse me, let me go again. Musk is suing Media Matters, which is a non-for-profit um, think tank news group, and again, for the crime of journalism, about, you know, Nazi postings by this, and Elon Musk uh, on X, and Elon Musk agreement with them. Now, the postings happen to take place right next to major ads for major corporations, okay? Now, the poster, you know, in the mainstream media, they pushed this guy, this poster's this random poster, but he's not. His name is Jack Posobiec. Now, Posobiec, you know, it, it took five minutes to do due diligence on this, okay? Um, and Mr. Bailey's team could have done this. Posobiec has a long paper trail tying him to white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups. Document it. Kozobiak sent out a post inviting state-level attorney generals to join the fight against media matters, and Bailey responded by claiming that, quote, his team is looking into this matter, end quote, as reported by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I left messages to Bailey's office, but they have not responded, and that's our second story, which also includes, frankly, um, a conflict of, some more conflicts and conflict of interest on Mr. Bailey's part, okay? Uh, of course, we will have our Jackass of the Week Award as well. So this week is a twofer. And um, we have a Randy Rainbow musical interlude for you to enjoy. So with no further ado, I'm going to play our little intro chanting, and we'll, we'll move on with um, our first story. I apologize just now. Like President Biden, I am a stutterer at times as well. So here we do like that. That's what's happening. All right. Okay, let's move on with our first story here. Okay, so Project 2025, as I said a few minutes ago, it is a blueprint for presidential dictatorship. And as much fun as it would be, as I said many times, to blame all of this on dumb Donnie Trump and on, you know, his acolytes, they're getting too much credit. 
because we've been heading toward this for a while. It started with Richard Nixon's uh, attempted expansion of um, executive privilege, which, again, is not really mentioned in the Constitution. Uh, and then it was further, it was, it, it was um, you know, it was furthered along by subsequent presidents, um, Barack Obama included, but mainly, you know, Bush Sr. and especially George W. Bush. He put, not only pushed executive privilege, but the George W. Bush pushed the idea of the unitary executive. And for those that aren't aware of that, what that means is that the entire executive branch is the president. Which, which is nonsense, okay? Um, but that's that's what they've been pu pushing. So let's go back to Project 2025 again under the auspices and steward, stewardship of the Heritage Foundation. It's a pro again a blueprint for presidential dictatorship, and it's engineered by corrupt lawyers. Let make no mistake about it. You know, today on MSNBC, I think it was on Velshi's program. Um, I forget the other reporter's name that was filling in for Velshi, but he called out, and he's also an attorney, he called out his own profession of attorneys and saying, look, we have attorneys here in this country that are abusing their law licenses and pushing these theories that, one, hold no water, they are illegitimate, they're unconstitutional, and they're doing it to destroy democracy. You know, Trump couldn't have gotten as far as he did, and neither could Marjorie Taylor Greene or any of the other wackadoodles without the, the skills of these corrupt attorneys. Make no mistake about it. And to call them conservative, I, I look, I'm not a conservative. I don't like conservatives. That's not the point. But to call these bastards conservatives is wrong because the corrupt lawyers involved in this are not conservatives. They are fascists. They are neo-Nazis. They despise democracy. They are not conservatives. J, former Judge J. Michael Luddig is a conservative. And even though I don't agree with him and everything, I at least respect him. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Millett, is a conservative. These uh, attorneys like Mike Davis, no, they're fascists. They're Nazis. So let's look into this right now. And again, I'm going to be kind of mindful of our time here. I know I get a little wound up. So here, let's look at a review and overview of Project 2025. Okay, so this is from, and I downloaded the actual document, but this is an interpretation from a group called globalextremism.org. Okay, and they do good work, all right? So according to globalextremism.org, the far right, call them they are, the alt-right, neo-Nazis, they have this, they, they've made public their plans for the perfect America, all right? Um, and it's, again, spearheaded by Heritage Foundation. It's supported also by more than 80 organizations, um, and that's a document by the advisory board on project2025.org. You can check it out yourself. Okay, so we've got documentation. All right. Um, and they're known, these, these groups are known for extreme positions, for pushing hate and Christian nationalism, and I have no problem with Christians. I do have problem with Christian nationalism because what they're pushing is a, a national religion that would grant white Christian males special privileges and the rest of us would be fodder to abuse. And we'd have no rights because you can't have a theocracy and have democratic rules. It doesn't work that way. 
Okay, now the authors and supporters of Project 2025, quote, claim this plan will rescue the country from, quote, elite rule and woke cultural warriors, end quote. Okay, the group also says that the aims of Project 2025 include, quote, bringing together conservative allies with a common goal to take back our country from the radical left by developing a robust governing agenda and the right people to implement it, end quote. And it's been reported again by the Washington Post, but denied by Project, by Project, 2020, by Project 2025. But there have been internal discussions uh, that have centered around the next conservative president. And really, the internal discussions have talked about, presumably it would be, God forbid, Trump invoking the Insurrection Act on the first day of office to basically sick our military on fellow citizens using the First Amendment rights, okay? Now, there's a table of contents here, and, you know, you've got like 13 different things in this. So table of, context, uh, table of contents, according to globalextremism.org, um, number one, Project 2025, a blueprint for authoritarianism. Two, the role of Christian nationalism. Three, gutting the civil service. That one's really important. Four, ending racial equity efforts. Five, eviscerating LGBTQ plus rights and equality. Six, restricting sexual and reproductive health and rights. Ladies and gents, that isn't just abortion. That means getting, that means also most likely outlawing contraception. Make no mistake about it. They want Puritan rule. Number seven, hardline immigration policies. Eight, Ending climate change efforts and restricting environmental policies. You know, in other words, say goodbye to your kid, you know, breathing clean air and not having horrible asthma, my opinion. Nine, ending woke military policies. Ten, reforming, in quotes, public education, end quote. Now, I have a real issue with that because as somebody who taught for 30 years, uh, I can tell you right now, when they say educational reform, what they mean is a takeover, ending, you know, public education and free inquiry into multiple subjects as we know it. They mean censorship. Number 11, restricting human rights and, ex and exiting international bodies. Let me say, I'm sorry, restricting human rights and exiting international bodies, end quote. Translation, they want to pull out of NATO which I'm sure Vladimir Putin would love because then he could, you know, we pull out of NATO, Europe's screwed. You know, Putin's quite clear. He doesn't, he's not going to stop with Ukraine. He wants to basically do an Adolf Hitler. Quite obvious. Uh, let's see, 12, there's profiles of Project 2025 organizational supporters and 13, a full list of Project 2025 organizational supporters. And this is coming straight from Project 2025. And, you know, this group has said, quote, Project 2025 is a threat to our democracy and we must treat it as such. Now, all the hallmarks of authoritarianism are here. Um, when you look at this, you know, according to this group, they say Project 2025 is an authoritarian roadmap to dismantling a thriving, inclusive democracy for all. We knew that. I mean, let's face it, this has been a case, the case where Trump's rise, and, and before that, the rise of the Tea Party, 
was the rise of the old Confederacy. Make no mistake about it. And neo-Nazi movements, there, there's no guesswork here. Okay. Uh, today I heard, oh God, well, I think it was on MSNBC again. There was um, a Republican man named Reva Shaw, I believe. And she was talking about how she wants a new Republican Party where, you know, the younger people that happen to be Republican would be um, socially more liberal, but fiscally conservative, you know, and then she gave the bad apple argument, you know, that what happened on January 6th and all this stuff, you know, and Mike Davis and all these threats, that, you know, that's just, that's not the real Republican Party. The moderator didn't stop her. I thought, what utter hogwash. You know, and then she went to, she, what caught my attention was, she said, it started with the Tea Party, you know, and the, how the Tea Party, you know, had these noble goals. What noble goals? Again, I know I'm kind of meandering a little bit here, but I remember the Tea Party when it first came about. It was filled, it was riddled chock full of white supremacists, Ku Klux Klaners, neo-Nazis. I mean, they were in full display. So Ms. Shaw is full of crap. And again, the moderator let her get away with this nonsense. She should have been challenged and said, well, Ms. Shaw, the documentation regarding the Tea Party does not support your contention that this was a noble cause because it wasn't. Okay, I wouldn't have let her get away with that. So the main elements of Project 2025. Um, let's skip ahead here. Okay, here, let me, I kind of lost my place here. I'm sorry, folks. Okay. So, this is part of Heritage Foundation's, quote, mandate for leadership, a conservative promise, okay? Um, And they lay out this analysis that identifies what they call the aspects of Project 2025, um, you know, the politicizing, that includes, quote, the... uh, Okay, let me back up a little bit. The main elements of Project 2025. Um, the analysis, globalextremism.org did an analysis, and they, you know, basically saw that Project 2025 identifies aspects that, quote, promote increasing authoritarianism as defined in Protect Democracies, the authoritarian playbook, specifically, quote, the politicizing of independent institutions, spreading disinformation, aggrandizing executive power, weakening checks and balances, quashing criticism or dissent, marginalizing and restricting the rights of specific communities, corrupting elections, and stoking violence, end quote. Okay? Now, the blueprint for authoritarianism. One of the first things an authoritarian regime does is they either restrict civil liberties and then just abolish them altogether. They also concentrate political power, according to this study. And Project 2025 would concentrate power, all of it, really, in the presidency. They would also weaken free elections. Um, you know, so basically, you know, we've got this um, already going on here. So let's move on here. All righty. So there are elements of the project that you know, are considered very ominous. So one of the things, one of the most ominous uh, points 
in this project is, according to globalextremism.org, quote, perhaps the most ominous Project 2025 targets the Department of Justice and the FBI. The project states about the next president that, quote, he will need to decide expeditiously how to handle any major ongoing litigation or other pending legal matters that might present a challenge to his agenda, end quote. That came straight from the Project 2025. You know, as opposed to allowing DOJ and FBI to act independently to make sure the following, make sure the president and everyone's following rule of law. And again, look at that statement that came straight from Project 2025, arguing that the next president, quote, will need to decide expeditiously how to handle any major ongoing litigation or other pending legal matters that might present a challenge to his agenda, end quote. Okay, this is basically a get-out-of-jail-free card for any president that wants to use DOJ, FBI, to push anything they want in direct violation of actual rule of law. That's it. You know, a first-year law student could figure this one out. Okay? Now, there's elements of the program uh, also spread disinformation about, for instance, medical issues, everything from COVID and abortion to sexual and reproductive health rights, sex education. Other issues include DEI programs with diversity, equity, and inclusion, climate change, civil rights, marginalized communities, especially the LGBTQ plus community. Um, this is a blueprint for presidential dictatorship. There's no guesswork here. Let me check my time real fast. Okay. Okay. All righty. Um, Project 2025 would, quote, further advance democratic backsliding in the United States. Um, according to, again, globalextremism.org, quote, the Stockholm-based International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance found in 2021 that the U.S., quote, fell victim to authoritarian tendencies itself and was knocked down a significant number of steps on the democratic scale, end quote. The Institute pointed to Trump and called his baseless questioning of the legitimacy of the 2020 election results, quote, a historic turning point that, quote, undermined fundamentalist trust in the electoral process and culminated in the Capitol insurrection. Okay? So, one of the things that Trump and Project 2025 would do is politicize things like the Department of Justice. Okay? Now, Another thing they would do is, and I'm going down here a bit here, gutting the civil service. Now, people complain about bureaucracy all the time. Most people complain they've never actually worked in a bureaucracy. Again, I was an educator, speech language pathologist in a bureaucratic school system, St. Louis Public. And when you're dealing with a lot of, of people that you have to service, you kind of have to have some bureaucratic network just to manage the workload. Okay, you just do, and to make sure that you're trying to be fair. People don't like it, but it is what it is. And anybody who thinks you can manage a nation of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, actually, by local means, 
I'd like to know what drugs you're taking because that's really crazy. I'm just going to tell you that right now. can't be done. Okay. You need the bureaucracy to manage the workload. And if bureaucracies aren't functioning very well, it's because a lot of federal and state-level bureaucracies have not only been underfunded but understaffed for many years. You know, in St. Louis Public, we were understaffed. We did not have enough certified teachers and specialists. But we were really operating on a skeleton staff, which you can only work people so hard and then things fall apart. But gutting the civil service right now, the civil service is such that when a new president comes into office, I think there's like 4,000 hires they can do. And these are political appointees. In other words, you can appoint someone like Betsy DeVos to head the Department of Education, but she doesn't know anything about education. She's totally incompetent but she got the job because she raised a lot of money for Trump. But when it comes to careerists, in these government agencies, especially at the federal level, but also at the state level, they have to hire people that are experts in those fields. And the trade-off for some job security is they can't be political while they're working there, all right? Because you're supposed to represent everybody, and as you're working as a professional, whether it's in Health and Human Resources or DOJ or whatever, the Department of Education, whatever it is, you represent, you're supposed to be working for everybody, which means you have to make judgments based on evidence and rule of law, not on your own personal opinions. That's just the way it is. And one of the things Project 2025 wants to do is gut all that. So that the civil service employees will have to um, literally swear allegiance, in this instance, to Donald Trump. Okay? He will only have loyalists, which means everybody will be fired. I think the plan is to fire like 50,000 federal employees. And then I guess what you put in competence that swear loyalty, you know, what? Kimberly Guilfoyle is going to do what? You know, lead um, Department of Health? You know, she's not a doctor. I mean, that, that's, that's banana republic stuff, but that's what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, the project really portrays the federal government as this, you know, woke deep state. You know, they keep using the term woke. And what they're doing is they're throwing it at it in a racist and mocking way. And, and you know, I'm not a fan of those of us who are older using the slang of younger people. I'm just not. Okay? But, you know, basically if you're woke, it means that you're open-minded, you have compassion, and you believe in rule of law that's fairly and equitably applied. Okay? Um, And to me, that's just rule of law. They don't want rule of law. Make no mistake. This is basically, you know, they want to put Trump in office is, I guess, Putin's puppet. These lawyers note that what they're doing with this plan is really an illegitimate and illegal coup. Because that's what it is. It's on paper this time. And this plan reminds me of, you know, basically the American version of the Nuremberg Laws. Those of you who don't know what the Nuremberg Laws were, they were laws that Adolf Hitler pushed through in the Third Reich that um, basically made him a dictator. And it allowed for the imprisonment and and overt discrimination and abuse of certain minority groups that they deemed to be enemies of the state. Okay? 
it was a basically a dictatorship. And Project 2025 looks like the same thing. Now, um, one of the things that they talked about, we talked about last week, was that how people from Project 2025 responded to the accusation that, you know, they would have the president invoke the Insurrection Act and, and use and and instruct our troops to fire on citizens that are peacefully protesting from day one. And uh, sources from the project said it's not in the plan. It's, it's nowhere there. Well, here's what you need to understand about the way lawyers operate, especially when you're talking about con people that claim to be constitutional lawyers. It's not just what they say, it's what they omit as well. You know, if the plan omits any sort of accountability and transparency on the part of those in office, you can get away with it. You know, if the plan, for instance, allows for flexibility in the president using the, the Insurrection Act translation, that means the president can use it anytime they want. You have to read between the lines, okay? So according to global, um, Sorry, I'm losing my place here. Uh, GlobalExtremism.org, quote, the plan isn't just to staff the civil service with those who support the far-right agenda. Much of Project 2025 is dedicated to eviscerating departments and agencies, essentially gutting the federal government and investing nearly unfettered power over the executive branch, including the Department of Justice and FBI in the presidency. Okay, it goes on to say, the plan is to assemble, quote, thousands, and this is from the plan, thousands of properly vetted and trained personnel, okay, uh, from across the country who will be ready on January 20th, 2025 to begin dismantling our unaccountable fourth branch of government, the administrative state, end quote. Now, the vetting and train part of it, it that statement comes straight from Project 2025, okay? I don't know what they're calling the deep state, but think of the chaos that would ensue if, for instance, um, the Department of Health and Human Services were closed down. Um, you know, again, Department of Justice, I've always felt that the Attorney General should not be a cabinet member of a president's cabinet. You know, at the state level, Attorney Generals are separate from the, gover from the governor. They're not part of the governor's cabinet at all. So you've got this, this clash, but, you know, that's healthy. And I think the Attorney General of the United States should be the same. It should not be part of a presidential cabinet. It should be a separate office that they run for. Okay. Um, you know, this is, when I'm talking about dismantling government, you know, again, and gutting the civil service, this is insane. Okay. Um, you know, again, it, it, this goes on to say, quote, the end goal is to gut the federal bureaucracy and fight the deep state, the latter being a reference to popular right-wing conspiracies that there's a clandestine network of members of the federal government, particularly in the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, working to thwart the conservative movement's goals. Versions of this conspiracy theory have existed for decades. Trump popularized this, this idea alleging that the federal staffers were literally working to destroy him and is a central aspect of other conspiracies such as QAnon, 
which Trump openly embraced, and he openly embraced it as uh, reported by PBS. Trump's conspiracist talk has had an effect. More than one in three Americans have come to believe the deep state really was undermining Trump. Okay, you know, once again, this is something that is so incredibly dangerous. You know, talk about giving Putin a gift to destroy the United States with. Then you create absolute chaos. You deprofessionalize these professional bureaus. You, you know, again, hurt our ability to intelligence gather, hurt our military. This is insanity. But it's planned insanity. You know, never underestimate the arrogance, uh, the uh, ambition of, you know, attorneys. Some of them, they will write anything for any client to get that money and to get further higher office. Make no mistake about it. And we see this right now. Okay. Um, Again, what kind of people do Project 2025 want to install in the civil service? Um, According to Project 2025, quote, with the right conservative policy recommendations and properly vetted and trained personnel to implement them, we will take back our government. Okay. So, um, end quote. And then what they're saying is these people, that you want to work for the federal government under this type of regime that they're suggesting, you have to fill out this questionnaire or survey. And and the survey is filled with these leading questions um, that will screen in candidates who are, you know, far right, call them they are alt-right, anti-LGBTQ+, against international institutions. And, you know, some of the questions that applicants are being or will be asked to agree or disagree include, get this quote, the federal government should recognize only two unchanging sexes, male and female, as a matter of policy, end quote. Who cares? Um, and another question is, quote, the UN should have authority over the citizens of public policies of, sover- of sovereign nations. Here's the, here's the actual question, yes or no, that is very leading that I think is a, probably the most dangerous. Quote, yes or no, the president should be able to advance his or her agenda through the bureaucracy without hindrance from unelected federal officials, end quote. Keep in mind, on this alt-right side, they consider federal judges to be unelected federal officials. You know, like Judge Chutkin, the judge that's trying Donald Trump right now. Think about that. A president, they want a president to be able to advance their agenda without hindrance, really from the courts. When they say unelected federal officials, they mean the courts. Truly frightening. I'm going to check our time here. Okay, we're going to move on to Mike Davis. This is the guy who is, you know, it looks like he's going to get the job, is auditioning to be Donald Trump's uh, attorney general. He is far more extreme than anyone else that's been there. Now, according to the the new civil rights movement, Mike Davis, uh, there was a piece written by David Badash. Uh, that published November 20th. The headline was, D.C. Gulag, Possible Trump Attorney General Wants to Denaturalize and Deport MSNBC Host. Okay? (coughs) Now, there is a correction, (coughs) and I have to make the correction, too. You know, the problem with when these 
think tanks come up with a thousand page document where they have maybe 50 people working on it, you miss stuff if you're just one person. And I'm a one person team right now. So the correction according to the New Civil Rights Movement and myself um, as of November 22nd, 2023, quote, a previous version of this article said that Mike Davis was the head of Project 2025. Davis is unaffiliated with the group, end quote. And it's true, he's unaffiliated. He is affiliated with the Federalist Society, though, okay? Um, so, at the feder and according to this article, quote, he's vowed to inflict a reign of terror and said it will be glorious when he puts migrant kids in cages. Now he wants to throw MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan into a gulag, okay? It would all be ludicrous if he weren't connected to powerful Republicans in the Senate, the Supreme Court, throughout government, and the private sector, and if he hadn't already been floated as a possible Trump attorney general. Now, Mike Davis uh, used to, you know, used to clerk. Uh, Mike Davis, excuse me, Mike Davis uh, has been affiliated in work with uh, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. He's also been connected, and his career was helped out a great deal uh, uh, by Republican Senator Chuck Grassley. So to claim that this monster isn't affiliated with what's called mainstream Republicans is nonsense. Now, it goes, this article goes on to say, quote, at the Federalist Society, Mike Davis' bio says he has, quote, served in all three branches of the federal government, including for President George W. Bush, the Justice Department. House Speaker Newt Gingrich and current Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, end quote. The article goes on to say, quote, he was chief counsel for nominations to then-Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley. There you go. Um, so, but he's pushing, you know, he's working hard to usher in fascism. Okay. Now, Davis is the founder of the Article 3 Project, which aims to put conservative judges on the bench. It is named for Article 3 of the Constitution, which lays out the judicial system of the United States. Okay? So, um, MSNBC, I'm going to read what Hassan noted, okay? Actually, what I should do is just play the actual video. Give me a second, folks. Here we go. Give me a minute. And we're going to play Mehdi Hassan's video. It's very telling. Give me a minute. Okay, we're having trouble here. Okay, give it a second. It's kind of, this is Mady Hassan. According to a new NBC News poll out just this morning, for the first time, Donald Trump is now leading in a hypothetical general election matchup. Now, this isn't just bad news for President Biden. This is terrible news for the very future of American democracy. For weeks, we've been warning you on this show about the dangers of a second Trump term. The former president, after all, has promised retribution, pledged to round up protesters with the military, and suggested using the Justice Department to go after his political enemies. Now, I'm going to stop here for a minute. Mike Davis has been a prominent MAGA lawyer and pundit. So let's go back to Mehdi Hassan. These are plans that should terrify each and every single one of us. But tonight, I want to pull back the curtain and take a look at who could be tasked with carrying out Trump's radical agenda come 2025. And answer the question, what would a second Trump presidency without any human guardrails, without any adults in the room, actually look like? 
Let's start with the second highest office in this country, the vice president of the United States. Earlier this month, Trump voted the name of someone you've probably heard of before, ex-Fox host and far-right frozen food heir Tucker Carlson. Trump said that he liked Carlson, quote, a lot and would consider him for VP because, quote, he's got great common sense. Here they are palling around at a UFC fight just last week. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the horribly racist and sexist and bigoted remarks that Carlson has made throughout his career, too bigoted even for Fox in the end. So here's just a small taste of the views of the man that could be soon just a heartbeat away from the presidency. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. Dirtier. Next up, Trump's pick for a possible national security advisor, Michael Flynn. If that name sounds familiar, that's because he already had that job during Trump's first term, but only for 24 days before he was forced to resign in disgrace. Earlier this year, Trump pledged to bring the former Army Lieutenant General back, calling Flynn, quote, somebody really special. A reminder that this is a man who suggested Trump seize voting machines and declare martial law in some states in order to rerun the 2020 election. Since then, he's embarked, he's embarked, Flynn has embarked on a nationwide tour, traveling from city to city to aggressively push election denialism, Christian nationalism, and wild QAnon-type conspiracy theories. Okay, so Mehdi Hassan is leading into these, you know, these very dangerous fascists. He's going to get to Mike Davis in a second. Now, let's move on to a man a lot of people may not have heard of yet, Mike Davis. He's the man many in Trump's inner circle, including his own son, Don Jr., and Steve Bannon, are pitching to be the country's next possible attorney general. Early this week, over on my Peacock show, I dove deep into the conservative lawyer's record from Davis's threats to send journalists to the D.C. Gulag to his repeated calls on social media for his followers to, quote, arm up against the violent black underclass. And it appears I may have struck a nerve. Davis has since responded to my monologue from early this week, pledging to indict me when he's AG. For what, I'm not sure, but he's also threatened to send me to the D.C. Gulag. That's a totally normal, non-fascistic response from a man eyeing to become the nation's chief law enforcement officer, right? Now to another man you may not know so well, Cash Patel, Trump loyalist, former National Security Council staffer, could very well become the country's next CIA director, despite a total lack of qualifications. During his first administration, Trump already tried to install Patel as deputy CIA director, the then president only backed down when his Director of the CIA at the time, Gina Haspel, threatened to quit if he hired Patel. Since then, Patel's become one of Trump's top defenders in the classified documents case. He's falsely claimed that Trump had unilateral authority to declassify records, saying, quote, he can literally stand over a set of documents and say these are now declassified, like magic. Last year, sycophant Patel even published a Trump-inspired children's book called The Plot Against the King, which the ex-president has said should be available in every school in America. And last, but certainly not least, maybe the craziest possible future administration official of all, White House Press Secretary Laura Luma. That's what's looming. Here's Don Jr. suggesting Luma for the job just last week. Laura Luma turned out to be a warrior for your dad. She's, she's a bulldog, man. I, I'll say that. She gets after it. I, you know, I, 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 I love this press secretary. I just don't want these things exploding. Luma already has a close relationship with the former president. Here they are, rubbing shoulders at Trump's Bedminster golf course. In fact, Trump reportedly asked his aides to find a position for her on his 2024 re-election campaign. But the far-right activist and self-described proud Islamophobe was blocked by none other than fellow 
far-right figure and Islamophobe, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who called Luba, quote, mentally unstable and a documented liar. Luba made headlines against this week when she said all Palestinian American employees of the federal government should be purged from their jobs, proclaiming that, quote, if you want to serve in the federal government, you should be born in this country. Now, with these kind of far-right figures waiting in the wings, ready to serve in a possible second Trump administration, it's really no surprise that The Economist magazine this week dubbed Donald Trump, quote, the biggest danger to the world in 2024. So, look, yes, you can be upset about the economy, you can be frustrated over Joe Biden's age, you can angrily disapprove of the way the administration has handled the situation in Gaza. Those are all legitimate concerns, objections, criticisms. But we cannot overlook what's taking shape right before our very eyes. A second Trump term filled with an extremist, far-right army of ultra-loyalists and total sycophants with little regard for the Constitution, which will be beyond anything we've ever seen in modern American history. Okay, so this is, what, this is who Mike Davis is. Make no mistake about it. Once again, when I compared Project 2025 to the Nuremberg Laws, it's not a hyperbole, it's accurate. I mean, one of the first things that Hitler did was make sure that he had concentrated power in his office, period. And then he just stripped away human rights from anybody that got in his life. Okay? Now, keep in mind, it isn't just people who hold office. Attorneys are supposed to be uh, officers of the courts. And I think that we need to look again at the legal profession and these attorneys that are actively involved in, again, another coup to destroy the Constitution, because that's nothing Trump wants to do. He said so. He wants to basically, you know, terminate the Constitution. If they participate in this, they are just as guilty as Trump. In some ways, more so, because Trump couldn't get away with this stuff were it not for these crooked, treasonous lawyers. Make no mistake about it. Now, we have another... Um, okay, I'm sorry, lost my place here. Let me take a little break here, and we will be right back. Okay, and we're back. You know, once again, the issue of Mike Davis as the potential attorney general and God forbid a second Trump term, you know, again, later on Davis said that he was just joking with Mady Hassan. You know, that kind of joke is also listed legally as a simple assault because it is a direct threat. There's nothing joking about it. Mr. Davis meant it, I'm sure. Uh, again, when you have unlimited power vested in the presidency as they want, yeah, anything could happen. And I think the reason why people like Mike Davis want Trump, Trump is this useful idiot. He's the puppet. He's the ringleader. He ignites his lynch mob, put it what, what it is, a lynch mob, and then they control Trump, or at least they think they can. All right? 
you know, this is an instance where, you know, we need to really criminally investigate these attorneys. Representing a client that you don't like is one thing. Plotting a coup to jail opponents, as Mr. Davis would do, yeah, that is treason. Now, there's another story here. It's not just Mike Davis from Rolling Stone. And this was published November 10th, 2023. It was written by Nikki McCain Ramirez. And it's in Rolling Stone. And again, it says Trump warns he could certainly indict political opponents if he's reelected. So we're talking to these other stories, even though we're not going directly into Project 2025. And that's because I want to do it justice. And like I said, it's over 1,000 pages, and I need time to go through it all. So. But Trump's planning is revenge. And this is really outrageous. So he, Trump gave his first interview to Univision. Um, and, you know, again, he's, you know, his son, Don Jr., according to, uh, well, on Twitter, actually, quote, floated installing an acting attorney general who wants to, quote, unleash a reign of terror. And this is, according to Media Matters, which is something we're going to get into the second part of the show. And this is Media Matters for uh, America. Again, it deals with Mike Davis, where Mike Davis promises, quote, a reign of terror, end quote, Trump appoints him as acting attorney general. This is the piece I was looking for, actually. So this is reported by Media Matters. And, you know, they had, apparently Mike Davis was on the uh, Benny Johnson show. And Benny Johnson is, or, okay, Benny Johnson is the Benny show. And this is, uh, a, a film from August 24th, 2023. You know, Benny Johnson's another, you know, MAGA moron, okay? So let's play this because this is Mike Johnson and Benny, jo I'm sorry, Mike Davis and Benny Johnson. It's his own Aren't the Democrats here guilty of racketeering? Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you be able to flip this charge directly around on them? Okay, so it's Benny Johnson asking the question and Mike Davis is responding. With their coordinated efforts to go after Donald Trump, I mean, wouldn't this be racketeering to rig an American election process? Wouldn't, in, in your three-week reign of terror, couldn't you bring racketeering charges against Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, all the way down through the tree of Al, Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis? Yeah, I mean, it, during my three-week reign of terror as Trump's acting attorney. Okay, so now, when he's saying during my three-week reign of terror, this is Mike. This is Mike Davis's own words. So I'm going to go back a little bit here. Through the tree of Al Alvin Bragg. That's Benny Johnson, Willis. and now Mike Davis. Yeah, I mean, it, during my three-week reign of terror as Trump's acting attorney general, before I leave town with my pardon from President Trump, I have five lists. But I, I'm ready to go, Ben. And the list number one is fire. I'm going to fire as many people as I can. And list number two is an indictment. But I'm a ham sandwich of these goofball Democrat prosecutors like Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith and Andy Willis and the civil fraud prosecutor Tish James up in New York. And we may have two other goofballs, Michigan Attorney General and this Arizona Attorney General who only won because they they shut down the election in Arizona. They sent the wrong ballots out, the wrong ballot sizes. People checked in, and then they waited in line. They couldn't vote. They got sent to another place. They were checked into the fireplace, and the Democrats wouldn't object it 
to a three-hour extension of the election so these people would vote. Otherwise, there's no chance that this Arizona Attorney General would even be in office right now. But now this... Again, Mr. Davis presents zero documentation claiming, uh, supporting his claims. He's, you know, lying. Arizona Attorney General, who only got in because the Democrats disenfranchised Republican voters, is now going to go after Trump like the rest of these goofballs and Democrat hellholes. To these Democrats, please keep going. Like Donald Trump said, President Trump said, I only need one more indictment. Yeah, I only need one more indictment be present. It, it really is the iron law of wokeism, though, isn't it? It's just complete projection. Everything that you are guilty of, whether it be racism or rigging elections, like you are going to project that onto your enemies. That is the iron law. They are committing racketeering charges. They are racketeering right now. They are colluding in order to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. Now, it's going to backfire, but it does, it, it rings so true that they are, what they're going after Trump for, they are guilty of. Okay. Again, neither Benny Johnson nor Mike Davis presented any evidence at all. So let's go back here. Okay. So according to, um, sorry about this, uh, Rolling Stone piece. Um, let me go here. Uh, you know, we know Trump has called these judges. It's a political witch hunt, like, for instance, with Judge Engeron. You know, and the fraud case in New York, I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal. There's, it's, he's already found guilty in that case. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the Trump Organization, under Trump, they would take, a, you know, a, a condo in a building that they sold, or they owned, whatever. They'd undervalue it for tax purposes and overvalue it in order to get loans. Okay, by anyone's standards, that's fraud, period. There, there's no guesswork here. But again, Mike Davis and Benny Johnson, you know, have a severe allergy to the truth. Okay, you know, once again, for somebody who is auditioning for the U.S. Attorney General's office to say you're going to throw reporters in a gulag because, you know, they committed the crime of journalism or to say that, uh, and, and they're going to call it fraud, okay? The next story where you're getting into Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, he's joining in, chiming in again with the idea that <clears throat> these groups that are reporting what's happening are committing fraud somehow. And that's really abusing your power, okay? So, once again, we're going to move ahead now, and we're going to move into our second story. So, again, I want you to realize what's been going down here. You know, we're going to break down Project 2025 into its components, but you have to understand it's when lawyers write things in purposely vague terms, they're building in wiggle room, okay? And then they parse everything to death. The fact is, in order for the law to be just, it needs to be written in a way that the average person can clearly understand it. It is patently unreasonable to expect somebody to respect and obey a law they can't even understand. It requires a three-year graduate degree. That's nonsense. All that is is a, 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 a full employment 
program for overpriced attorneys. It's nonsense. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to move on now to our second story. Okay, and we're back. So the second story, as we said earlier, deals with Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. And in my opinion, he's auditioning for Trump as well. So Andrew Bailey, he's the latest Attorney General in Missouri. You know, Josh Hawley had it at first, and then he's a stepping stone to move to the U.S. Senate. Then we had... um, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, the next attorney general. Um, oh, God, where's my brain gone today? Sorry about this, folks. I'm having a little bit of a brain fart right now. Okay. All right, so, so then our next attorney general was Eric Schmidt. Okay. And again, Eric Schmidt, here's here's the weird part. Okay, Eric Schmidt also became the second attorney general beating Claire McCaskill, I'm sorry, beating um, the Democrat. And give me a minute here. I really need to make this print bigger. And it's, it's ironic, too, because Eric Schmidt, even though he was a Republican, before he became really ambitious, was actually not too bad. I mean, he pushed for increased funding, to help um, children with autism, and he has a child that is on the autism spectrum. But then he decided, hmm, he wanted to be a U.S. senator, and so he was a a leading officer in RAGA, the Republican Attorney General's Association, and he helped spearhead those frivolous lawsuits or stop the steal. But here in Missouri, Eric Schmidt also pushed lawsuits that, you know, he sued public school districts trying to use the most basic of, you know, COVID protections, like, you know, wearing masks. And he just attacks public school systems. How dare they insist that children and staff wear a mask during the height of COVID. And that's one of the things, because of the COVID denialism, that got him, you know, elected. Um, And now we have Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who was after Eric Schmidt, and a similar audition. Now, Bailey is responding to an online request from Elon Musk, okay? So here's what, let me get a little backstory here. So Musk is suing Media Matters, again, for journalism. And Media Matters is a non-for-profit, you know, journalistic group. They do very good work. And and Musk is suing Media Matters, I say for journalism. He's claiming fraud, whatever. And it's regarding these neo-Nazi postings by a, um, an ex-user named Jack Posobiec. Now, in the mainstream read corporate news, they just portrayed Posobiec, including the St. Louis Post-Dispatches, you know, this, this poster. But, you know, it took me less than five minutes to find out that Posobiec has a really long paper trail tying him to neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups. Um, 
Pisobiac, which, you know, and Musk agreed, Pisobiac then sent out a post inviting state-level attorney generals to join the fight against media matters, and Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey responded by claiming that, quote, his team is looking into this matter, and this is documented by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Now, I left multiple messages with Andrew Bailey's office. They have not responded. Um, let's move on with the story. Not that I expected them to respond. So again, as in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, um, Missouri Republican Attorney General Andrew Bailey, he's gone into this dispute between Elon Musk and a liberal advocacy group um, that, you know, according to the Post, quote, erupted amid controversy over Musk's endorsement of an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory last week. Okay. The Post goes on to say, quote, Bailey said, that's Andrew Bailey, his Bailey said Sunday his team was, quote, looking into this matter the day after Musk promised thermonuclear legal action against Media Matters for America and others, alleging a, quote, fraudulent attack on its social media company X, formerly known as Twitter. Now, the Post kind of did sloppy reporting here because actually the original call to invite state-level attorney generals came from Kosobiak with Musk's blessing, Okay. But to go on with the post, uh, quote, Musk sparked criticism Wednesday after he told an ex-user that, ex that the user was speaking the truth when the user said Jews hated white people and expressed general indifference toward anti-Semitism. The next day, Media Matters reported that ads from major brands have been placed alongside pro-Nazi content on X. Now, this included companies such as Apple, IBM, Disney, Comcast. Now, these companies now, according to Post-Dispatch and the Washington Post, have announced that they're either pulling advertising or pulling ads from X, and that's according to the Washington Post. And then Musk responded last Saturday saying that X will file, quote, this thermonuclear lawsuit um, against Media Matters and, quote, all those who colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company, end quote. What fraud, Mr. Musk? And Mr. Pasobiak, I'd like to know. Now, notice they mentioned here, you know, Musk sparked criticism Wednesday after he told an X user. No mention. The X user was Jack Pasobiak, and Pasobiak was the one that was actually posting the anti-Semitic pro-Nazi content, which Musk agreed with, where ads from prominent corporations were right next to this pro-Nazi content. So where's the goddamn fraud? Seriously. It took me, what, less than five minutes to find out the information about the unidentified ex-user, again, Jack Pasobiak. You mean to tell me that the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and CNN and, yes, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey couldn't do that due diligence? Seriously? What the F? See, you thought I was going to say the F-bomb. You thought I was going to say fuck, and I didn't. I said, what's the F-bomb? <laughs> okay, so, now, Media Matters president is a man named Angelo Car Carissone. I'm, I'm probably mangling his name. Um, Media Matters president Angelo, Angelo Carissone offered this statement in response. He said, quote, far from the free speech advocate he claims to be, Musk is a bully who threatens meritless lawsuits in an attempt to silence reporting that, it, that he even confirmed is accurate. 
Musk admitted the ads at issue ran alongside the pro-Nazi content we identified. If he does do us, we will win. End quote. So where's the fraud? And not just Elon Musk. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who is either intellectually challenged or morally bankrupt and hates rule of law, where's the damn fraud? It's not there. Instead, Mr. Bailey is choosing to abuse his power to audition for Trump's DOJ. Okay? Now, of course, Musk denied he was anti-Semitic, and Musk was quoted as saying, quote, nothing could be further from the truth. I wish only the best for humanity and a prosperous and exciting future for all, end quote. Okay. Musk and his family come from South Africa. Cut the crap. I'm just going to end it there. It's my opinion. Now, on Sunday... Okay, the Post-Dispatch finally identified Posobiec. Ex-user Jack Posobiec had accused Media Matters of, quote, creating accounts and gaming the ex-server to create false impressions for their article. Okay. Um, so that was Sunday. This, the Post-Dispatch article goes on to say, quote, in response to Posobiec's post, Stephen Miller, that little troglodyte, who worked in former President Donald Trump's White House, said fraud was a civil and criminal violation and noted that there were, quote, two dozen-plus conservative state attorneys generals in the United States, end quote. Okay. So what? Media Matters reported that this pro-Nazi content was right next to these ads, and Musk admitted it. Where's the goddamn fraud? Okay. Nonsense. Uh, and then Musk replied, quote, interesting, in both civil and criminal. Now, the article goes on to say, said Posobiec, quote, said Posobiec in response to Musk, quote, if only there were AGs in states where there are ex-users willing to stand up against media matters fraud, end quote. And then Bailey, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, then posted, quote, my team is looking into this matter. And Bailey got an attaboy from Musk. Well, actually, what Musk, quote, what Musk uh, responded was, great, end quote. According to the article, quote, Bailey's announcement came as his opponent in the August 6th Republican primary, Will Sharp, was set to be in the spotlight Monday as he argued against a limited gag order imposed against Trump in one of the criminal cases against the former president. All right, so this was a piece that was done by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the Associated Press also contributed to the report, okay? Uh, It was written by Jack Suntrop and... I don't see it. Okay. Anyway, Jack Suntrup. Now, this is important because it shows the fact that Mr. Andrew Bailey, who is now the Missouri Attorney General, is, you know, more interested in auditioning for Trump's DOJ than actually obeying the law. All right. That report right there shows it. Where's the fraud, Mr. Bailey? Again, I left multiple messages, at least three. You know, on his voicemail, no response. Not the expected one. All right. And so you kind of go, all right, well, maybe these, maybe Andrew Bailey is just, you know, an acolyte, could be. But he's got some, Andrew Bailey's got some other issues here also. Apparently, according to St. Louis Today, which is part of St. Louis Post-Dispatch, in a piece written by Case and Bayless of the Kansas City Star, David A. Lieb of the Associated Press published just this November 16th. Um, you know, apparently, Missouri, the headline reads, 
Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey's office quietly scrubbed from its website an online form that allowed residents to file complaints of public corruption against elected officials. Wow, the timing is really peculiar. This is the 16th, um, and the piece on Musk and Posobiec, that was published, I really need to use my other glasses, just a week ago. Kind of suspicious, isn't it? Now, I'm not accusing Mr. Bailey of corruption exactly, but why would you scrub a form that allows citizens to file complaints of public corruption against elected officials. They're right, okay? But, you know, according to the article, quote, the form which previously appeared, I'm just reading straight from it, on a drop-down menu on the homepage of the Attorney General's office website appears to have been removed over the summer, likely in June, according to an archived version of the website available online. An archive from May shows the online form allowed users to issue complaints of criminal acts by public officials so long as the local police agency had a conflict of interest in investigating the matter. Makes sense. The article goes on to say the office's website, which was revamped in September, still includes forms that allow users to issue a slew of other complaints ranging from animal welfare to utility and digging safety. Okay. Um, the move has raised questions for Bailey specifically about why his office would remove the form and whether its removal might discourage people from filing complaints in cases of public corruption. Okay. So, and it's, he's being challenged by former Assistant U.S. Attorney Will Sharp, who was a Republican candidate in the Missouri Attorney General primary. Mr. Sharp said, quote, it concerns me that a form that is being removed at a time uh, it, I'm sorry, it quoted, it concerns me that a form like this is being removed at a time when so many Missourians have deep concerns over public corruption issues in Jefferson City. It's incumbent on all office holders to encourage people with information of public corruption and malfeasance to come forward, not effectively dissuade them by making it harder to do so, end quote. Okay. Uh, now, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey's spokesperson is someone named Madeline Searin, and Madeline Searin responded in an email explaining the office took down several forms, quote, in the interest of consolidating our processes and making our website more user-friendly, end quote. Um, Ms. Searin also said that constituents who were already submitting public corruption complaints through the office's main line, so, quote, we went ahead and consolidated the processes officially, okay? She went on to say, quote, Missourians continue to utilize this method and we process the complaints in the same manner we did when the form was up, the Attorney General's office thoroughly vets each complaint and takes them seriously, end quote. Um, you know, except for one problem here. I've called, and, you know, when you're giving a complaint over the phone, you don't know if that person's really taking down your complaint. You don't have a receipt. You just have their word for it. And, you know, Ms. Siren doesn't understand that the difference is this. While you might have to go to court to, you know, record conversations on a, on a phone line like that, email correspondence is automatically admissible in court, and Mr. Bailey knows that. So this is a bogus claim on her part. Now, the Democrat running in this race in this primary for Missouri Attorney General is Eli Gross. 
Now, Eli Gross is a former assistant attorney general, and he was concerned, and here's what Eli Gross had to say, quote, it's very troubling to see the attorney general entirely scrub his official website of a crucial way for Missourians to report public corruption. We need more, not less accountability in our state and local governments, and our attorney general should be playing a big role in that. Okay? So, you know, once again, this really makes Mr. Bailey look suspicious. Okay? Now, there's more. Of course, there's always more. I don't know if we're going to get to it today. Um, you know, it turns out that Mr. Bailey, and again, I'm not making an accusation, but I'm pointing out some inconsistencies here. Mr. Bailey may have some explaining to do himself, not just on the uh, Elon Musk uh, media matters nonsense, but also Mr. Bailey has some campaign contributions that he really needs to explain. Now, according to St. Louis Today, uh, in a piece written by Jack Suntrup that was um, published October 19, 2023, the headline is Missouri Attorney General's campaign gets $50,000 check after he sides with Doe Run in lead poisoning lawsuit. So, you know, again, I'm reading from the article here, quote, two months after Attorney General Andrew Bailey filed a legal brief siding with Maryland Heights-based Doe Run Resources Corporation, his political action committee accepted a $50,000 contribution from Doe Run's parent company. Bailey's office on July 11th filed an amicus brief arguing that Peru, you know, the country, where Doe Run purchased a smelting complex in 1997 is the proper venue for a lawsuit brought by Peruvian plaintiffs echoing the company's arguments in this case. On September 18th, Bailey's Liberty and Justice PAC, talk about ironic naming, received $50,000 from Doe Run's parent company, New York City-based Renco Group. It goes on to say, the case in which Bailey filed his brief accuses Doe Run and others of causing lead poisoning in La Arroya, a mining town in the Peruvian Andes. There were more than 1,420 plaintiffs in the lawsuit as of January, according to court documents. Um, you know, Doe Run says a court in Peru should handle the case while plaintiff's attorney say the matter should play out in the United States. Okay, you get the drift here, all right? Now, Mr. Bailey also likes to position himself as pro-life, but apparently the lives of children in Peru that are already here, don't that doesn't count into the formula, okay? Now, again, spokesperson, spokeswoman for Andrew Bailey, um, Madeline Searin denied that the legal filing and the campaign do donation were related. That's a nice way of putting it. And according to Searin, quote, the amicus brief was filed on behalf of the people of the state of Missouri to protect their judicial system from abuse by foreign plaintiffs. Any suggestion the Attorney General's influence, office influence by, by campaign donations is absurd. Now, an amicus brief is a friend of the court brief. That's my understanding, okay? It's not something that Mr. Bailey had to join into at all. Not at all. Okay, in fact, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to make sure I'm right because I'm not an attorney. Okay, so an amicus brief definition is a friend of the court. I was right. Okay, and, you know, it's a legal document that's given to a court of law um, saying that, you know, you're not a party to this case, but you're going to assist the court by offering information, okay? 
So in essence, again, this, my question is, is Mr. Bailey representing the people of Missouri or is he representing the Go Run co company? Okay. Once again, um, you know, why did he file an amicus brief at all? Why is he wasting valuable taxpayer dollars? Because when an attorney general in the state sues, these are public tax dollars he's using on the Doe Run case. Um, and then why is he wasting, why is he considering wasting more public dollars on the media matters versus Elon Musk nonsense when there's no case there? Okay. The only thing you can say, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, is Mr. Bailey auditioning, you know, for a second Trump term? And my answer would be, yeah, I think so. Okay? So, interesting, isn't it? We're going to go to a break, and then we're going to move on with our little humorous bit. Okay, and we're back. Okay, so now we've got two more little things to go on here. We have, of course, our Jackass of the Week Award, and it's a twofer this week. And then we have a musical interlude by, of course, Randy Rainbow. So let's move on with our Jackass of the Week Award. Let me get to, give me a second. Welcome to PNN Jackass of the Week Award. Dreon, Jack, and Jenny never sounded more intelligent. Okay. This week, our Jackass of the Week Award, I keep saying it's a twofer, and it is. The twofer goes to CNN's reporter Michael Smirkanish and D.C. Circuit Judge Royce Lambert. We have this twofer. So, Michael Sprankanish interviewed convicted January 6th insurrectionist, otherwise known as the QAnon shaman, Jacob Angeli Chansley. I'm going to go to that article if I can. Oh, here it is. So, this is the more both sides nonsense, okay, which I hate. You know, at no point did... Smirconish, the CNN reporter, challenged the insurrectionist in any substantive way except on one detail. So Jacob Chansley is, you know, he's, he was known as the QAnon shaman. It was the guy with the, the bullhorns and the painted face and the bare chest. You couldn't miss this guy, all right? And he was convicted. He served some time. And then, you know, he said to the court that he was sorry and he got out. Now he's planning a run for Congress. You know, first he wanted, among these other people, to overthrow the government, to overthrow the Constitution. Now he wants to run for Congress to do it that way. So Chansley, you know, during this conversation, he characterized January 6th as, quote, an otherwise peaceful crowd. Was he watching? I mean, I was watching on January 6th. There was nothing peaceful about that crowd. Uh, Smirkanish did, to his credit, repeatedly ask Chansley 
the, the QAnon shaman, for a guarantee that he would not repeat the insurrectionist behavior you know, if elected to the U.S. Congress. But Smirconish never once called out the QAnon shaman's lie. You know, again, Shansley kept saying that this was a peaceful crowd. My, my, the, the reason why Smirconish is, getting the, is sharing the Jackass of the Week award is because when will legacy media, in other words, corporate media, stop giving a pass to white supremacists and neo-Nazi liars? Why is it so difficult to call up the lying about January 6th where the crowd erected a functional gallows and they were hunting humans? They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. These people had every intent of committing mass murder. This was not a peaceful crowd. It wasn't a peaceful crowd any more than Donald Trump is a skinny mini. It's nonsense. But that was part, so again, CNN reporter Smirconish gets the jackass of the week award for that one, okay? But now, the comments by the presiding judge in the QAnon shaman's appeal to, you know, get released from prison with time served, and this was U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert of the District of Columbia, and this was on November 17th, and here's what the judge had to say, and this is his statement is such jackassery that U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert is actually, I'm entering him into our uh, annual Supreme Jackass of the Year. And so here, the QAnon Shaman, you've got all this film, and here's what the judge had to say as, you know, again, the QAnon Shaman was saying, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. I didn't mean to be bad. Here's what the judge had to say to the QAnon shaman, quote, first of all, I thank you for your comments. I think yesterday I celebrated my 34th year here as a judge, and I think your remarks are the most remarkable I've heard in 34 years. I think you are genuine in your remorse and heartfelt. Now, here's the worst part of it, quote, part of those remarks are akin to the kinds of things Martin Luther King would have said, end quote. I kid you not, and this was on CNN. And for that reason, Smirconish and Royce, Judge Royce Lambert get our weekly Jackass of the Week award, and Judge Royce Lambert will be entered as entered for the prize of the Jackass of the Year. Rarely have I heard such jackassery coming from a judge. That was supreme jackassery. Okay. Unbelievable, isn't it? You, you, you just, again, something. So oh, hopefully you learned something from today's show. Again, we will be every week talking about Project 2025. Because make no mistake about it, January 6th was a ham-handed um, violent coup attempt. Project 2025 is another coup attempt, and in some ways far more dangerous because it is an American version of the illegal Nuremberg laws, which would establish a presidential dictatorship and allow white supremacist neo-Nazis to abuse the rest of us, even kill us, if they so desire. All right, so on We Need a Little Humor, Randy Rainbow. Give me a second here. This is called Poor Deplorable Troll. We are back with this one. 
lady. You know I hate to kick you when you're down, but that's our saying. That's what we do, right? So here's the latest. Uh, your campaign kickoff rally in Oklahoma was a bomb. Miss Coronavirus is living her life thanks to your gross negligence. Your treasonous love affair with Putin has been exposed once again, and your mix. Okay, I'm going to stop here. This is an older one. Just use your imagination because let's start again. Randy Rainbow. We are back with this one. Lady, you know I hate to kick you when you're down, but that's our saying. That's what we do, right? So here's the latest. Uh, your campaign kickoff rally in Oklahoma was a bomb. Miss Coronavirus is living her life thanks to your gross negligence. Your treasonous love affair with Putin has been exposed once again. And your makeup looks like shit. Oh, also, uh, Joe Biden is still beating you in the polls. It's so crazy what's happening. This guy doesn't talk. Nobody hears him. Whenever he does talk, he can't put two sentences together. I don't want to be nice or unnice, okay? He could have just said mean. I mean, the man can't speak. I feel like it would have been easier to just say mean. And he's going to be your president because some people don't love me, maybe. You said it, not me. And then they'll say such horrible things. I mean... On the campaign, they'll say such horrible things about me. It's a very unfair business. The last four years with you have been a nightmare. They weren't kidding when they called you well unfit. And this final awful year has made it crystal clear that you've really let the country go to And many other things. The level of dishonesty in the media is... I think they're the most dishonest people I've ever dealt with. Now, not everybody. You have honest... You're an honest mm -hmm. journalist. You're a great journalist. You know, it's so unfair. Your tiny Tulsa turnout was a turkey. Your latest Twitter tirade may suggest that you're starting to surmise. Your face is getting wise, and I'm really quite concerned that you're depressed. You lose China Plague. Oh. I love that one. Before they came in, we had the best job numbers we've ever had. If we didn't do tests, we'd look great. So I said to my people, slow the testing down. The president says, cut out all that testing. A notion health official signed with us. But he's terribly annoyed by all the dead and unemployed because he only cares about his own PR. Oh, please. He doesn't give a crap about the quorum. Presidents are noble, not a thief. He's so afraid that he might flunk, he just hides out inside his bunker, working out his tired, tacky old routine. And I couldn't help but notice all your rallies and events are like your sex life. No one comes. 
with Project 2025, intend to finish the job. Nobody can sit this one out. It is not time to be nice to people, to friends or family that may still go, well, you know, I like Trump because of his business acumen. What business acumen? He went bankrupt six times. He has no business acumen. He's a criminal. That's it. He's already been convicted of fraud. The fraud case in New York, they're just basically waiting to see how far they're going to punish him, and that's it. He got caught dead to rights. You know, so people, I don't want to hear about these alleged nice Trump voters. Bullshit. Okay? If you're voting for Trump, you know what you're voting for. You're voting for white supremacy. That's it. There is no excuse. And we need to let people know that if they continue to do that, they no longer have friends or family. That's it. We need to shun them. I don't care what their motive is. I don't care if they're frustrated by the economic system. We all are. The difference is people like me don't want to just automatically abuse other people just because I'm angry. Okay? You know, we have to do this. And those of us that are in affected communities that are targeted by this white supremacist neo-Nazi movement Communities of color, religious minorities, the LGBTQ plus community, uh, intellectuals, all of us. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need to arm ourselves. Okay? We need to make sure that like those idiots on Trump's side, that our latest insurance policy's name is AR-15. Because appeasement doesn't work with bastards like this. It just doesn't. You don't shoot first. Okay? But they need to know that we're capable and willing to defend ourselves. Seriously. Appeasement didn't work prior to the Nuremberg Laws. It didn't work during Hitler's reign, and it's not going to work now. And if somebody gives you a garbage excuse for supporting Trump because they don't like Biden or they don't like woke or, you know, but he's a businessman that is just like, you don't, you don't like inflation, whatever. That's all cover-up. They know what they're voting for. They're voting for racist. They're voting for a racist government. They're voting for a religiously bigoted government. They're voting for neo-Nazism, American style. That's it. There is nothing else. Please tune in. Check out also my writings. Um, there's mold writings at Huffington Post. Just Google my name, Janine Moloff. Check out my writings at Nation of Change, Erasure Review. Um, we will be back next week. Again, Project 2025, call your local attorney general's office. File a complaint. Let your local officials, your governors know that you're not going to tolerate this. Okay, with that, I say good night and God bless us by whatever you believe. Because we're going to fight like hell.